0: Welcome to the show. You're likely aware that New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham has lost her mind and declared that she has the power to suspend the constitutional right of American citizens living in Albuquerque to carry firearms, and she has issued an order as governor doing just that. I have a few things to say about her actions that are not being said in the dominant media left or right. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. Nine months ago, I put out a presentation explaining that those who oppose the right of self-defense and the defense of other innocent people were actively planning to impose gun control via public health emergency declarations. If you watched or listened to that presentation, then Governor Gresham's actions shouldn't come as a surprise to you. While it is not a surprise, it is nevertheless shocking to witness a public official blatantly ignore the unalienable rights of Americans in New Mexico. I should also point out that the right to keep and bear arms is not established by the Constitution. Unalienable rights pre-exist the formation of the states and the federal government, and therefore neither the states nor the federal government have the authority to alter, modify, or abolish them. So says the U.S. Supreme Court. A federal court has temporarily blocked the governor's order from being enforced, but that's temporary. The federal case may not end up as many people think it will. The facts and law may also not be what you think they are. So let's take a look at them. We'll begin by examining how Grisham has gone about doing what she's done. She has suspended the right to bear arms within the city of Albuquerque via an executive order. Executive orders have no effect on the public. Executive orders only command officers and employees within the executive branch, no one else. Furthermore, an executive order must clarify how the executive branch officers and employees are to carry into effect the will of the people as expressed in a statute enacted by the legislature. In other words, an executive order has to live within the boundaries of the statute or statutes It is intended to carry into effect. That brings us to the two New Mexico laws Governor Grisham cited as her authority to issue her executive order. The first is the Public Health Emergency Response Act, which is codified as Article 10 of the New Mexico statutes. Remember, this is one of the two laws the governor is relying on for her authority to declare a public health emergency. So, in the Public Health Emergency Response Act, how is public health emergency defined? It is defined thusly, quote, "...public health emergency means the occurrence or imminent threat of exposure to an extremely dangerous condition or a highly infectious or toxic agent including a threatening communicable disease that poses an imminent threat of substantial harm to the population of New Mexico or any portion thereof. Close quote. Preceding that definition are the definitions of health facility, health care supplies, and isolation. After the definition of public health emergency are the definitions of quarantine and threatening communicable disease. In fact... After you move on from the definition section, 100% of the act addresses isolation, quarantining, medical supplies, medical examinations, medical testing, and vaccination. In other words, the power being granted to the governor in the act pertains, without equivocation, exclusively to infection and disease. Phrased another way, the the New Mexico legislature limited the governor's emergency power authority in the act to infection and disease. But Dave, the anti gutters cry, it's only for 30 days. If you're saying that, it shows you have no idea how the Public Health Emergency Response Act operates. Under the act, the declaration is only good for 30 days. But, and this is a huge but, it is renewable every 30 days by the governor solely at the governor's discretion. What Grisham is doing is a natural follow-up to what was done in 2020 and 2021. Grisham's 30-day declaration is reminiscent of two weeks to flatten the curve, which turned into three years of insane, worthless government bullshit. And let me be clear, there is nothing in New Mexico law that can stop Grisham from renewing her order every 30 days for as long as she remains in office. The other statutory support Grisham cites in her executive order is the, quote, All-Hazard Emergency Management Act. In that act, its purpose is described as, quote, provide an emergency operations plan for the protection of life and property adequate to cope with disasters, close quote. That section goes on to state that such a disaster may be the result of acts of war or sabotage or from nature or man-made causes other than acts of war. But no matter how the disaster occurs, it must, in fact, be a disaster in order for the governor to exercise emergency powers. Disaster is defined in Article 10b and reads, quote, disaster means the occurrence or imminent threat of widespread or severe damage, injury or loss of life or property resulting from a natural or artificial cause, including tornadoes, windstorms, snowstorms, wind-driven water, high water, floods, earthquakes, landslides, mudslides, and volcanic action, fires, explosions, air or water contamination, blight, drought, infestation, riots, sabotage, hostile military or paramilitary actions, disruption of state services, accidents involving radioactive or hazardous material, bioterrorism, or incidents involving weapons of mass destruction. (sighs) close quote. You may have noticed that what does not appear in the definition of disaster is ordinary street thugs engaged in acts of violence. That's just everyday life and not a part of the definition of disaster. The important part of this is that the governor only has emergency powers under the All-Hazard Emergency Management Act to prepare for or respond to Disasters, and ordinary run-of-the-mill criminal violence is not part of the definition of disaster. In other words, this is the second statutory provision in the executive order that does not grant Governor Grisham the authority she claims. Phrased another way, the legislature never granted her the authority she is attempting to exercise. In summary, Grisham's executive order relies on two statutes neither of which grants her authority to issue her executive order or exercise emergency powers. The point of sharing the pivotal elements of the executive order with you is to demonstrate how simple it would be to have a New Mexico court strike down Grisham's order based on the legal reality that neither act grants her authority to have issued the order. Obviously, that's the correct legal path to end this illegal dictatorial crap. But that's not what people are doing. What they're doing is going to the federal courts arguing that the order infringes on a constitutional right. I consider that a dangerous path to take. Gershom has said she quote welcomes the fight about making New Mexicans safer, close quote. Why would she welcome the kind of legal challenge I believe is a danger to the citizens of New Mexico? Because her action is supported by court precedent. Many of you are probably shocked to hear that. It is nevertheless true. That precedent was set in 2020 and 2021 with the public health emergencies declared by governors across the nation. Under the authority of those public health emergency declarations, governors suspended various unalienable rights of the citizens of their states. The rights governors suspended include, but are not limited to, the following... They suspended the well established unalienable right to leave your home whenever you see fit. They suspended the well established unalienable right to earn a living. They suspended the well established unalienable right to freely associate. They suspended the well established unalienable right to worship together as a community. So, What did the federal courts do to stop these outrageous and shameful deprivations of the rights of the American people? In the main, nothing. In the majority of cases, they held that it was not within the court's purview to supplant its own reasoning in place of a governor's judgment during a declared public health emergency. In other words... In federal court, Grisham is going to present a shit-ton of case law confirming that the federal courts must not interfere with the governor's exercising emergency powers in the course of a declared public health emergency. And to be clear, the weight of decisional law in this matter favors Grisham. We should also keep in mind the vast majority of those decisions are not ancient history but were decided in just the last few years. In federal court against Grisham, plaintiffs are going to argue her actions improperly suppress an unalienable right. If I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, Grisham isn't going to bother arguing whether her executive order does or does not suppress an unalienable right. Instead, she's going to provide the court with hundreds of federal court citations holding that the court cannot interfere with her actions, period. Why argue about the suppression of a right when the weight of federal decisional law says the court cannot interfere with whatever a governor does when acting under a public health emergency declaration. I'm confident the governor will point out to the court that the plaintiff's argument in those 2020 and 2021 cases was a deprivation of rights by governors, and the court still held that it was not their place to interfere. Let me explain the way courts work. The well-settled doctrine of our judicial system is that if there is any other way to resolve a case rather than to reach a question of constitutionality, courts are expected to do so. Accordingly, if the federal court determines the weight of case law prevents it from interfering with a governor's actions pursuant to a health emergency declaration, then the court will never reach the question of whether unalienable rights are being suppressed. Like it or not... That's how the courts work. Perhaps you can see why I'm concerned about taking this matter to federal court. In federal court, the question of whether New Mexico law actually grants Grisham the authority she is exercising won't even be raised, because that's a state matter. I hear a lot of people saying that the Bruin test will shut down Grisham's executive order, but I find it unlikely that a trial court would make its decision based on Bruin because Bruin doesn't address how the right to keep and bear arms can, perhaps, be impacted by a public health emergency. Think about it. If a public health emergency justifies depriving citizens of the right to leave their homes, earn a living, or freely assemble, what would be the legal rationale to say a public health emergency does not also justify depriving citizens of the right to keep and bear arms? Further, what does Bruin have to do with anything if the weight of case law says the court cannot interfere with Grisham's emergency powers? As I've spoken to people about this, they've essentially said, what Grisham is doing is unconstitutional, so the federal court should do the right thing. So... Law doesn't work that way. Courts adjudicate law, not the right thing, primarily because the right thing is subjective. Do you think Michael Bloomberg sees Grisham's actions as the right thing? I assure you he does. What is the track record of the federal courts in these kinds of matters? From the 1970s onward, gun control laws proliferated at an ever-increasing pace, and courts routinely upheld those measures. It wasn't until the Heller decision in 2008 that the Supreme Court confirmed the right to keep and bear arms is an individual right, the enjoyment of which is constitutionally protected. In other words, it was basically 40 years from the time gun control laws started proliferating until SCOTUS made a meaningful decision about the right to keep and bear arms. Yet Heller did not stop gun control laws from continuing to be upheld by the courts. While acknowledging that it was an individual right, courts simply held that gun control measures were an acceptable infringement on the right if the government's action was intended to achieve a, quote, public good. That agenda-driven, malleable, nonsense standard was only corrected in 2022 by the Supreme Court's Bruin decision that repudiated the public goods standard by replacing it with an originalist standard. In other words, while every American who is focused on the unalienable rights of the individual rather than collectivism knew that the vast majority of gun control laws were blatantly unconstitutional— It took the Supreme Court 50 years to put an end to it by establishing a standard which, over time, will result in most gun control laws being declared unconstitutional. My point is that you believe you know what is right in no way translates into a court doing what you believe is correct. If I may be blunt, the perspective that a court should do what you are 100% convinced is the right thing is a fallacy driven by the absence of understanding of how the law and the courts work. What are the stakes of failing in federal court concerning Gresham's executive order? If that happens, there will be a stampede in every blue state, county, and city to declare the actions of criminals who use guns to be a public health emergency and then restrict the rights of law-abiding Americans. Because, of course, we all know that restricting the rights of the law-abiding reduces crime. This is why it's important to argue the matter correctly. So then, what is the correct way to argue this matter? In my opinion, The correct approach is to file a case with a New Mexico state court and argue the factual position that in neither of the statutes Grisham cited in her executive order did the legislature grant her authority to declare an emergency over the actions of -of run-of-the-mill criminals using firearms to commit acts of violence. The limits of authority granted to a New Mexico governor in the Public Health Emergency Response Act and the All Hazards Emergency Management Act are so clear that I'm confident there isn't a judge in New Mexico who wouldn't immediately declare Grisham's order void due to an absence of legislatively granted authority. I bet there's a lot of material in this presentation of which you were previously unaware. For that reason, I'm going to encourage you to read Income Tax Shattering the Myth." which will tell you all the things you never knew about the income tax because the government has knowingly, willfully, and intentionally lied to you about it your entire life. The key aspect they lied to you about is that it applies to ordinary working Americans. It doesn't. And it never has. But much like many of the things you learned in today's presentation, knowing what the law actually says stops the liars from depriving you of your rights due to your ignorance. One of your well-settled unalienable rights is to keep what you earn. Another way to say it is, you have an unalienable right to the fruits of your labor, and the government cannot impose a tax on the fruits of your labor. And in fact, the government has not done so. You were simply told it did, and you believed it without ever looking into it for yourself. Income tax shattering the mist takes what would otherwise be a lot of lengthy legal research, and hands you everything you need to know in a way every American can readily understand. What will shock you most as you read Income Tax shadowing the Miss is that the primary source material has said the exact same thing for 110 years. For 110 years, it has consistently said the income tax has never been imposed on ordinary working Americans. In other words, if you're an American citizen living and working in one of the 50 states— earning your own domestic income, you're not required to file an income tax return or pay a penny of income tax and never have been. You simply believed the government's con job. Isn't it time to correct that? I haven't filed an income tax return or paid a penny of income tax in 30 years, but it's not just me. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have safely left the government's income tax scam behind with the knowledge, the facts, the law you'll find an income tax shattering the miss. The evidence, the truth, is right here. (laughs) All you have to do is read it. The good news is that for a limited time, you can save 15% on income tax shattering the miss. Simply use the coupon code OWNIT at checkout. You have my word that what you will find in income tax shattering the miss will blow your mind. Once you know the truth, then you can decide what you want to do about it. I'll put the link and the code down in the notes. In a similar vein, the American people are the most chronically ill society on the planet. To put an even finer point on it, the American public is the most chronically ill society in all of human history. That's quite an achievement. How did we get here? We got here for the same reason ordinary working Americans believe the income tax applies to them. The American people just keep believing whatever the government says. A good many Americans believe the government would never lie to them about matters of health. It may lie about some things, but it wouldn't lie about things that would make you diseased. Hmm. The last time I ran the numbers, the combined revenue of the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, And the processed food industry comprised roughly 30% of the U.S. economy. Here's a scenario for you. If tomorrow all 340 million Americans read body science and applied what they learned about how their physiology really works, within two years that 30% would shrink to about 5%. In other words, that gigantic portion of the U.S. economy would shrink by almost 85% within 24 months. So let me ask you a question. What do you think is important to the U.S. power brokers and elites? The continued growth of that massive block of the U.S. economy or your health? The bottom line is Americans are the most diseased people in history because they bought the false narrative about human physiology put up by the U.S. government and trillion-dollar industries hook, line, and sinker. They bought it hook, line, and sinker because they firmly believed the government would not lie to them about health matters. And they were wrong. So, what are you going to do about that? I might suggest a wise course of action is to learn the truth and compare it to the lies that you've been fed for 60 years. It's not difficult at all to determine which is factual when you see them side by side. In fact, it's pretty damn easy. Sometimes when I see someone make a comment on social media about one of my books, I'll screenshot it. This one by Mark is about a week old. Mark said, Body science is a legit game changer. Highly recommended he's 100% correct. It is a game changer. But for it to change your life, you have to read it. I'll put the link down in the notes. Also, by purchasing Income Tax Shattering the Miss and or Body Science, you help me to continue to be here for you with these revealing and thought provoking presentations. Please share this presentation with everyone. And thank you for being here. Take care.